Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 98. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, the COVID-free, definitely not sick, Clint Jones. Clint, tell the world a healthy hello. Hello, world. Uh, healthily, I'm saying that. Uh, Ken cannot say so much the, no. about that. That's no. true. No. I uh, somehow avoided COVID for a solid, uh, what, three years now? Uh, I thought I was immune. I thought I was invincible. You had it. I what you had it. I've never had it. Others in the household have had it. No, you did have it. No, we... I've never tested positive. Are you sure? Not now. <laughs> <laughs> My memory tells me that I'm correct. I think there was like last year you had it because there was a period where we couldn't record. That was because that was when Levi had it and then Rachel got it. But you never but had the it. The virus actually never touched me oh, because okay. I quarantined in time and hid out in my basement. And uh, I skipped the whole thing. Mm. So we were not able to record, but I, I was free of the virus. Again, it was in my own house. So I thought for sure I'm invincible to this thing. I have a superpower and it involves COVID-19. Yes. <laughs> then my son got it again and spread it to everyone on God's green earth other than you because you lucked out and didn't happen to be near our house yeah. in the three to four days that we did not know he had COVID. Um, the rest of us got it. They skipped through it. Uh, they were pretty miserable for about five days. And uh, I've been pretty miserable for about uh, 21 two now. weeks? <laughs> yeah, a little, little over two weeks now. Uh, it's it's not been fun. So I am negative, feeling very good about that. It's good. Uh, the congestion went away the other day. Mm -hmm. The uh, piercing migraines went away a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just working through the horrendous body aches that make me feel like I am not a survivor of the film Duel by Steven Spielberg. Uh, <laughs> It's been pretty miserable, and I don't know. People maybe should have warned people that it was this this awful. You don't think that's been happening for the last four years? I do, but I finally you believe it now. I, I finally started to drift into that territory where I'm just like, man, it's not it's not so bad, at least for me. Yeah, and wham, mm -hmm. I'm like oh, okay, wake up, yeah. look at that. Mm. I uh, I I haven't had it, so I'm hoping I'm not I'm not going to be licking any doorknobs Good. around this house. Good. Trying hang out to with my son. test it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I don't want to do that on a good no. day. No, he's a monster. He's a monster. <laughs> uh, we have uh, a good episode coming up, uh, although I'm sure if we tried to uh, share some what you watch about, uh, we would have a month's worth. So It could uh, be the whole episode, it could, really. It really I, could. Uh, but other than that, we're just going to resume our normally scheduled programming. Uh, we've yeah. got two reviews of Eileen and Foe, and then we have our top 10 discoveries of last year, which typically... We get to in the week following our top <laughs> not ten. Not two months later. Not two months. Does well, anyone care anymore? Do we care anymore? I care because these are discoveries. These are okay. things that that can be found at any time and enjoyed. And um, I, I'm I'm here for it. I'm excited to hear your list. I have uh, put together a, a fine list of my own that I think uh, will even at least half of it. Yeah, will impress uh, one Clint Jones. Um. I think you're going to go out of here with some recommendations. I mean, I want to say that, like, yeah, this is delayed and mm -hmm. not for not trying to do mm -hmm. this. Oh, I yeah. There was a point where, like, okay, let's say, I think it was two or three weeks ago mm -hmm. where I show up at your house. You did. You did. I show up at your house, get a message saying, oh, can we delay an hour? Yeah. Um, what am I going to do for an hour? Yeah. <laughs> go sit in my car. Actually, it was a half hour. Your son lets me in. Yeah, yeah. 
I come and sit down, all expecting you to come down in a couple yeah, minutes. Yeah. Then I get a cancellation by your son <laughs> from you from upstairs. And then I just have to I, go home. In, in <laughs> that my... was the closest I've ever got to recording before you canceled. Like, usually it's like the in... day before you're like, oh, I'm too, uh, sorry, I got something going on. This was, I was in your house. In my defense, I had <laughs> no a defense. sleeping infant on my chest. And her parents had not come to retrieve her. And uh, knowing my son's babysitting skills, which are nil. Haven't um, you heard of a tub? Stick the child in the tub. We're going to record. <laughs> <laughs> Can't climb out of the tub. No, it's uh, slippery. No, and that was slightly before COVID, um, which I realize now, had you been in the house that whole time, might have gotten COVID, Clint, because that was the that weekend. Although the baby did not get COVID, so... I would have avoided it somehow. Maybe. It's just like juked and dodged. Yeah, I can see it coming. Yeah. How'd you enjoy that Super Bowl? Um, what, there was a Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's about what I thought. Uh, this also brought to you by uh, Clint Jones of the, did, what, there were Oscars? Uh, which haven't aired yet, but I know that'll be about your reaction. You could have to told it. me they did happen. And I somehow... <laughs> oh, I didn't see the winners. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, let's let's dive right in. Let's shake off the dust. And uh, pedal those old bikes and uh, remember how we used to ride, Clint. Come ride with me. Where are we going? All the way to Eileen. That's okay. where. Eileen uh, is a little flick that I keep getting confused with another movie uh, that popped up on Netflix starring uh, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Oh, I watched that uh, one too. Did you? I haven't yeah. seen that yet. I The title escapes me. But for some reason, I kept confusing the two. Eileen uh, is not that film. No. Came out uh, towards the end of last year. Here's the plot. In 1964 in Massachusetts, a young secretary becomes enchanted by Rebecca, the glamorous new counselor at the prison where she works. Their budding friendship soon takes a twisted turn when Rebecca reveals a dark secret. Uh, this stars Thomason McKenzie uh, mm -hmm. from... Um, Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Thank yeah. you. Anne Hathaway, uh, Marin Ireland, Sam Nivola. Owen Teague, Jefferson White, Sean O'Pry. You won't recognize the names. You might recognize the faces. Clint, what did you think of Eileen? May, December was the Natalie Portman Thank one. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. That's the one about the uh, method actress that's uh, she's, researching yeah, she's a role. She's researching a role about um, um, a woman who was in a relationship with one of her students, or it was a kid yeah. who was really young. And she went to prison, and then he. Um, once she got out, they they hooked back up and yeah. like had a family and stuff. And so she was, uh, yeah, researching that. It was okay. Okay. Um, well, I'm still gonna watch it, but I guess I'll find out if it was just okay. Yeah. Uh, this one, Eileen, was directed by William Oldroyd, mm -hmm. and probably the the thing he's best known for is Lady Macbeth uh, with uh, Florence Pugh. Mm. I don't know. Did you see that back no. when? Okay. I. Watched it and cannot for the life of me remember a thing about it, which probably is pretty telling. Yeah. Um, so what'd you think of Eileen? Um, I liked Eileen. There was a lot of style to that I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting that I really liked. I liked the, um, they did a really good job kind of like the the holdovers mm -hmm. of doing, building this kind of time capsule of the movie. Um and really pulling that off really well. Like mm -hmm. I, the, I was really taken by that for like, like the first, you know, 
moments of it um, and was thinking I was really going to love this movie just because of that. And another aspect of it I really loved was the music, which was by... Um, uh, what's his name? Oh, Richard Reed Perry, who's in, in, was in the Arcade Fire, and he's done quite a bit of soundtrack work yeah, since yeah. then. Um, and it's a really great, interesting score that kind of like heightens it to a, another level. That um, I think if there was a lesser score to it, maybe I wouldn't have reacted so well to it. Um, but there was some kind of like early on, and there's moments of it that there's kind of like a whimsy to it, and like mm-hmm. just of this young girl like kind of like trying to find her place in the world, and in kind of this oppressive like situation where she's working at this prison and like doesn't really have any friends, and um, this father who is kind of a horrible drunk. But um, I I really. It, like bought into that relationship and I really liked the relationships she starts to form with in Hathaway. Um, the thing I will, we're not going to go into spoilers yet, mm-hmm. but like there's a, there's a twist in the end, which I did not mind the twist, but I, I, my main takeaway from this was I wish there was like another act yeah. to this yeah. movie or it was structured a little bit differently where that was like a mid film, a mid film twist. Yeah. And there was enough, um meat on the bone to the end of it to flush that part of it yeah. out um it ha- it just happens so close to the end that there's not a lot of time to take it in an like like take it in another direction and it's and something see that, it through. That, that your characters need time yeah you know it's it's not just you need time it's 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 such a large kind of piece of news that it it feels like it needs more time to to gestate and live with the characters before they make the decision at the end that they make. I I gave it a little grace on that aspect just because of um Thomas McKenzie's Eileen her character and how they like kind of hinted at her psychology throughout mm-hmm. and where she was mentally and what she was kind of willing to do like she mm-hmm. was just like had these instincts that did not turn me away from what she does in the end like i i was like mm-hmm. oh there's some natural like thing in her that she might do that mm-hmm. um i just wish there was some kind of resolution between those characters where you kind of saw where this leads after that yeah um what did you think of this i i liked it as well um, I, I appreciate the fact this is something, you know, I could probably come up with a better name, but it's it's kind of a line movie where you establish a relationship early in a film. Mm-hmm. And then there are a series of lines that uh, your your character has to cross. Mm-hmm. And if you do that naturally and organically, you can get somebody to do some pretty believably heinous things yeah. that they wouldn't have done at the beginning of the film. Uh, there's so many things, but the only thing coming to mind at the moment is Breaking Bad. It requires a, a lot of groundwork to be able to buy that certain characters, uh, particularly Walter Wright, are, are being corrupted to the point that they can make the decisions they're making. Uh-huh. This one, I, I appreciated that I felt a natural evolution to the relationship yeah. uh, between the two women. And that allowed for a lot of wiggle room mm-hmm. in what otherwise I might have started to balk at because it's asking so much of her. Yeah. Um, and and that's I I think another part of I I had the same feeling at the end. It wasn't that it 
that it ruined things. Uh, no. It just, I wanted more time to see how that sort of unfolded yeah. and, and sat with her. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to just needing to make a dramatic decision after dramatic reveal in, in a short period of time. Um, but I thought the performances were great. Uh, this movie looks fantastic. Um, I like when um, movies with with period settings or different things like that uh, take time to weave that in, but not in a way that distracts uh, mm-hmm. and kind of allows you to, I don't know, not focus on on those sort of elements. Yeah. Uh, and the music, I, I remember the score being good, but I just did not pay a lot of attention to the, to the score. Um, I don't, I'm always kind of, that's something I'm always kind of tuned into yeah. and kind of, um, can be helpful in kind of pushing the emotional arc of a character more than like even dialogue for me, yeah. like to where you get something across with music a lot faster than, yeah. and sometimes it's if it's not used well, it is distracting and you can feel that pull of like, they're, oh, they're really trying to make me feel this thing mm-hmm. right now. And like this, it, I felt like it worked, um, yeah, like very well of, of pushing emotional aspects of the characters, but not in a manipulative way. Um, well, and that's probably why it didn't stick out to me because yeah. it, <clears throat> this is a movie where people have to hide things. Yeah. Um, and so the music does a lot of the heavy lifting for you because you know from the the start that you can't trust what everybody is mm-hmm. saying. And so the the music lends itself to that not in a you know it's it's not giving away things before they should be given no, away no. or anything. It just it it helps you to understand the tone of the conversation and how you're supposed to be interpreting mm-hmm. the characters. Um it's it's just that little extra subtle nudge yeah, uh, of what's already on screen. I th- um, it, it might have also been that I was so tuned into it because there was something about it was very familiar, mm-hmm. and it was the fact that it was Richard Reed Perry who was doing it, and so I was like, "This feels familiar." And then it, mm-hmm. once I looked it up after the fact, I was like, "Oh, that's why I was so also in tuned into it because mm-hmm. it was like it was bringing out those like arcade fire feel like um, themes and stuff that he's used in like." Um, uh, other, I I can't remember other soundtracks he's done, but there was things I where we I had talked about him in an episode last yeah. year. I, I remember specifically where, we had talked about him yeah, writing a score. Yeah, and it felt familiar, so I was just like, yeah. oh, "What is this?" Um, but you know, like as far as like the characters, I there was an aspect of like Eileen, like I I kind of already said this, but like throughout the film of her dealing with like her father and like the loneliness of like her of job and mm-hmm. like not having anyone around to um like spend time with until um um in Hathaway shows up uh that I could see the progression of where she was mentally to get to that point where where she makes that decision at the end or like what happens mm-hmm. and transpires like I did not like feel like oh why did she do that all of a sudden it it made sense to me and i also like the um you never really get a true sense of anne hathaway's character in who she really is Mm -hmm. or what she's all about or what she's um 
trying to accomplish at her job at the prison. Mm -hmm. So when that reveal is like comes out at the end, like I was not thrown off as far as I wouldn't didn't believe her character would do this. Yeah. It was just a it was a shock in that like, oh, this is what she's kind of been up to behind the scenes yeah. this entire time. So that and that what was she's interesting. willing to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. that that for me was the not not the hardest to swallow. It it, yeah. it tracked. It just it was it was just like, oh, this is it, you know, that's that's another step. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's definitely you know, um, again, it's that idea of a line mm -hmm. that was kind of the the darkest line drawn, and it it really for a moment becomes you know what's the response to this going to be? Yeah, um, I think it also between those two characters with Anne Hathaway, I think it she doesn't know who she's exactly been tied got herself tied to with mm -hmm. uh, Thomas McKenzie's character because they don't know her, each other that well. Yeah, and they just kind of have this infatuation. So I think it goes farther than what Anne Hathaway wants it yeah. to go to. And and so when um Eileen, she she does what she does, um I I think that's also where, you know, how things transpire at the end. Yeah. Um and what happens with those two characters, because like they both weren't, you know, sure of each other and where they mm -hmm. were both willing to go with yeah. the situation. It turns almost into this game of chicken. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it gets really tense. Yeah. Um, you know, even though I, again, I'm with you, it, it needed another act of that kind yeah. of tension, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I appreciated how it was handled mm -hmm. and maybe it was just something where, you know, at a scripting stage, you do give it more time but you realize it loses power if you yeah. can't think of, you know, you said meat on the bone. If you can't think what that meat is and you can't come up with something more convincing than what you've already set out. Yeah. You know, maybe seeing a longer version, I would prefer this. I Who knows? Right. Uh, it's just one of those things where in my mind I wanted, uh, I wanted more depth there uh, rather than just sort of a – that's not fair to say race to the credits, but it just kind of closes things down and – and and goes into and now we're going to wrap this story up. I w I mean I didn't even so much mind the the kind of subtlety of the end mm -hmm. and like the um unsureness of what is going to happen with the characters. It was just like maybe sit in that even yeah. longer. Yeah. And that's that could have been fine. Yeah. yeah. Um no, I agree. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I liked it. Mm -hmm. uh, you liked it. It was just um, it was definitely worth watching. I was mm -hmm. glad I watched it, and it was a it was a good experience. It um, a well made film. Yeah, there's there's my quote. Well made <laughs> film. Put um, that on the back of the box. Yeah, exactly. All right, our next movie is Foe, and you may have seen this uh, in big F O E letters on Amazon mm -hmm. Prime. It definitely wants you to know its title. Uh, here is the plot. Hen and Junior's quiet life is thrown into turmoil when an uninvited stranger shows up at their door with a startling proposal. Uh, that's about as short and uh, succinct as it gets. This is from director Gareth Davis. Uh, what else did he did? The only thing um, I... Knew, Lion, Mary Magdalene. The only thing I've seen that he did, he worked on this show, uh, Top of the Lake, and directed, I don't know, a couple episodes, and okay. I really like that show. Um, okay. But that's all I know. Of. Looks like he's on tap to do Tron 3, too, which mm. is going into production. 
Uh, not sure whether that'll be a good thing or, or not. Uh, this stars uh, Shershi Ronan. Shershi. Uh, Paul Mescal. Shersha. Sersha Ronan. Sersha Ronan. Sersha. Sersha. Paul Mescal, Aaron Pierre, Sharon Berry, uh, Gran Clute, uh, Belinda McClory, Yeezy Spence. Uh, Clint, what did you think of Foe? I, I honestly didn't remember there were that many people in it. I <laughs> thought there was the three, and it was about I always, it. I always scroll down to that little, you know, here here are the heads you would recognize, and I just read the names, and I agree with you. But um, I, I thought Foe was fine. <laughs> I, I honestly... Welcome back, uh, fine. <laughs> I thought we lost you with Clint, but no, here you are. I... The only thing that kept me really going is the performances between Sierra Sharonin and Aaron yeah. Pierre, because I, I really, not Aaron Pierre, uh, Paul Mescal. I really like both of them uh, and everything I've seen them in. Um, so that was, this is um, like 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, yeah. I don't think it is that bad. No. And I don't know what they're like pulling from that it's that bad. I can actually give you an overview because I saw that and went hunting. Okay. Uh, people actually found it very confusing um, and found it overly emotional mm-hmm. in certain spots and just thought that the uh, the interplay between the characters were uh, sometimes absurd and ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was, That's kind of the, the bottom line take on the bad reviews. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't see, I could agree with some of that, but not to 25% Rotten Tomatoes yeah. score. Yeah. Maybe. And it's tough. It's like if, if uh, you know, 75% of people gave it a, a C minus. Yeah. Well, that's a 25% Rotten Tomato score. And then you get something like X versus Sever, uh, if you remember that one. Um, and it can get all Fs, but it could have the same you know, rotten tomato score. It's, it's a, it's a really inexact measurement. There, there so needs it to be, be a, like 25, you could get, what, can you say that again for I me? I can definitely say that Thank again. You. Let me pull back the curtain on <laughs> rotten tomatoes algorithm. So from an A plus down to, I believe, uh, a C, yeah. uh, mid C, that is fresh. Uh-huh. From a C minus down, it is unfresh. There is no, oh, it's ripe, but a little squishy but I'm still going to eat it. You know, there's not that mid ground. Yeah. Yeah. So once you get into that range of C, C minus D, things get kind of really wild. And when you have a movie that could fall in the middle there, uh, you know, you could have a C minus movie. Everybody agrees it's C minus, but it shows up with a really low rotten tomato score. Hmm. Um, So it, it gets a little tricky. Now, once you get into the reviews, they hated it more than a, than a C minus. There were yeah. a couple of those in there, but typically you don't run into that. But um, that's yeah, that's how Rotten Tomatoes works. Mm. They should really have that squishy bit in the just middle. Squishy bit in the middle. Yeah. Ketchup, just like a bottle of ketchup right in the middle. It was good enough to squish up and you know process. Right. But you want you wouldn't want to eat it maybe on its own. No. Ragu. But like make yeah, yeah. you it's rag. <laughs> they should have a sauce rating. <laughs> a sauce. <laughs> Like, is it ketchup? Yeah. Is it, yeah. you know, is it a nice rag, yeah. like spaghetti sauce? Yeah. Would you just want to put it on a sandwich? Fresh? Or, That's a fresh. Or, and hear me out, they could just, uh, you know, do a Metacritic thing and and give you an average of what the score actually is. Well, I always thought it was kind of that anyway. It feels that way. Yeah. But it's more about, 
you know, like 25% means 25% of critics thought it was a C or better. Mm -hmm. 75% thought it was a C minus or lower. And so, you know, it it generally vaguely works out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think that's more luck than than, uh, algorithmic precision. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) foe. I'm just saying in the land of AI, we should have and should expect... I yeah. think more of our Rotten Tomatoes than just uh, a coin flip. Yeah, I have to rethink about my using that as my standard as of, your metric. Yeah, yeah. Um, I fo uh, I I think the thing that kept me going with it was those performances mm-hmm. between the two of them, and maybe it was just me holding on to like I like them as actors. Um, I think the the story it was almost that one episode of um, um, Black Mirror. You know that episode of Black Mirror. I think I know the one you're talking okay. about. Okay, the one where I'm like, send the robots to space. Yep. yep. This is almost that movie. Yep. But they do a much better job of making it clear why the people have to go to space. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's for, you know, continuing on humanity, humanity. Um, so that aspect of it didn't bother me. I think the thing that I was not turned off by, but it was just not interested in so much was the, the, the kind of love triangle angle Mm -hmm. between, um, Aaron Pierce, Terrence and like the Sarah Sharonin and it just, it was not interesting to me. Um, I like the bit of like, is she, is he a robot? Like, is it, who's the replacement here? That aspect of it was kind of interesting. Um, I think if they had played with that even more, it would have uh, piqued my interest. The thing I, I thought the, um, the setting and the cinematography was really interesting. I like that just like, in the middle of nowhere farm mm-hmm. and the little hints of like um giant mechanized farming at that level like at in a the, distance in, yeah. at a distance in the like in the future yeah. like those were um like gareth edwards kind of world building things that i like you know where he does a really good job of that of showing mm-hmm. in the distance but in a very naturalistic way um there was elements of that i really liked um overall I thought this movie was fine. It was fine. What did you think? If your fine is a C, yeah, my fine is a C minus, yeah, uh, and you know, relatively the same scores. Mine, mine is more negative than yours, yeah. Uh, just because I kept thinking throughout the movie, uh, thank God this is these actors, yes, because yeah. I was actually enjoying their performances. Mm-hmm. Not because the script deserved it or or because I felt it was pushing far enough or or, or not withholding in the right areas or, it, you know, it felt like it was building to something much more than it really was. Yeah. Um, but I uh, this is a cast of young actors that are really genuinely playing with the idea of their characters and with mm-hmm. identity. And, um, you know, this is this is kind of the thing light. Um where it it has those those questions of uh you know is he isn't he you know that sort of thing uh for me it was it was just there weren't stakes there weren't yeah. uh, there wasn't anything that that rose to the level of of making me care 
uh, about what they cared about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for them, it's it's personal identity and it's it's purpose and it's it's all these things. For me, I'm just like, okay, but in the end, have I just watched three people, you know, figure out some very basic things about themselves? Right. Um, and that it had my interest at the beginning when I thought it was going to add some more uh, dimension to that. Uh-huh. But it didn't. Yeah. And uh, it just, it it felt like a short film, a very good short film, stretched out into, uh, you know, just kind of a, a mid-range, uh, kind of dull uh, feature. Yeah, I think the thing that also, I just, I was very unclear about their relationship, just like even before beforehand before everything transpires and like it was so muddy and like yeah like did they love each other he was he awful like and it just made it like unclear as to why she was still there yeah and like it was it he even bad enough that like he's not worth sticking around yeah. for it was just yeah. very unclear and like who they were and what they were to each other um and so that was just like and it also wasn't kind of interesting enough to like linger on or yeah. like for me to even think about like after the fact it was just like oh why like okay yeah. she she leaves like spoiler she leaves and it's like um cool yeah. like it's good yeah. good i'm glad she laughed yeah. but like um but I, I there was enough that it played with that kept my interest throughout it it was just not enough that like by the end i felt it amounted to anything worth like you know pondering after the fact do you think a second viewing would hold your interest like that though i don't know was for me it's just like i got to the end and i'm like if i would have known this is where we were going to end up i i would not have been as uh attached probably not uh, along the way just because once I realized it, it was kind of anticlimactic. It it was a real letdown. Yeah. Um, well, it was like the whole time I like I was saying it was like I don't know the relationship between the two of them, and I'm not sure how much I care. But yeah. it got it was enough by the end. I'm just like yes, you leave. Yeah. Like you leave. Okay. It's like you're not happy. Yeah. He's clearly not happy or really interested in you. It's like I don't know what anyone's yeah. fighting for. I had a flash. There was a movie with. Um, Andrew Garfield and Kira Knightley. What was that movie? There was like a school. Yeah, it's like a prep school. That was a good movie. That's a fantastic movie. I had it's totally a for- similar concept. Yeah. I had totally forgotten it until uh, just now. Well, I had totally forgot about it until recently when, yeah. like, uh, that director. I uh, we watched. I think we watched and talked about another movie by that director. Yeah, and I couldn't remember what else he had done. And then I looked it up after the fact, and I was like, Oh, he did that movie. And I wish I had totally forgot about. And I was like, that was a really good movie. Yeah, that's so, never let me go. Yeah. Um, who did that? Mark, Mark. He did Mark, something Mark. else recently Mark that was good. Hmm. Dead Let's air, see. dead air song. That's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, what, what uh, else did he do? Writing and directing one hour photo. We had talked about that. Uh, it could be that. Maybe um, that was it. It might have been. Because we just recently talked about that. Yep. Yeah, I think that's where we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cuz I don't I mean, he's got some other solid movies on here, but I don't remember 
uh, he did uh, that horror film in 2021, Motherland. Mm. I don't know if you saw that. No. Um, it must have been one hour, one yeah, hour photo. I'm, we I'm were pretty sure. Mm-hmm. He was working on the Shining prequel, the, the Overlook Hotel, that got mm. canceled. Okay. He was the one um, connected to that. Uh, but anyway. I need to rewatch um, that movie now. It's it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. It's Kira Knightley, Carrie Mulligan, Andrew mm-hmm. Garfield. Um, yeah, I remember that came out in 2010 or 2011. I remember yeah. really enjoying it at the time. I have it. I just haven't watched it. In it a is, long time. and it's another one where it's subtle sci-fi world yeah. building, um, where that aspect of it isn't super important. It's yeah. just kind of the setup to it all. Um, but it, yeah, it works really well in that movie. Yeah. So yeah, faux. Um, it it it's all right. It's, yeah, if you like the actors in it, it's worth watching because yeah. I think they are doing good work. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, don't don't prep yourself for something really big and and thought provoking. Yeah, uh, it just it doesn't go far enough with any of mm-hmm. that. Uh, so uh, that brings us to our discoveries again. My absolute favorite time of the year even though it's a month and a half late. Uh, Clint, uh, do you want to do it like we normally do it? We'll count down from 10. Sure. Did you put yours in order or are these just 10? I do have them in, or- right. in some kind of order anyway. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I do as well. So let's uh, let's start with you. Um, all right. My number 10 is a movie from 1982 called Moonlighting by uh, Jersey Skelmowski. Uh, has Jeremy Irons in it. I had talked about this towards the beginning of last year. Um, man, I was in a Jerry, Jeremy Irons like mood then. I had watched um, a couple things that he had done. Yeah. And, reali- and we had done Dead Ringers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was right around then. Yeah. Um, realizing like, I've seen so much stuff with him in and just now realizing how good he is. Yeah. And he's so good in this movie. Um, this movie is a really strange setup where you're almost like, I, I don't like, is that going to be interesting in any way? Mm-hmm. But it's about these contractors who come to um, England to do work from, oh, I can't remember exactly where, I think Poland. And while they're there doing the work for this um, high up government official, they're kind of trying to like stay low key. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, an event back home and it caused them not to be able to go home. So they're stuck there doing this work. And, but Jeremy Irons character is the only one know, who knows because he's the one who's like the in between yeah. and he is hiding it from the rest of them. So they'll continue to do the work. And, but he's also, they're cut off. So they don't have any more funds coming in. Yeah. And so he's like low key, like it's kind of like this um, almost has this spy thriller, like thriller feel where he's trying to make things men's uh, meat and he's like stealing stuff and like rot, like from stores to get food and like supplies to continue this, like almost like a jailbreak feel Mm -hmm. like thing. And he's trying to hide the secret, and um, and it's really, really great. Um, I I really love that film. I watched it forever ago, and I need to watch it again. I think I was young when I saw it, um, relatively. Um, so yeah, yeah. Okay. And I had gone down to like I watched a bunch of um, Jersey Skomowski's. He did that um, yeah. EO film mm-hmm. we talked about the donkey, the donkey, and he did a um, couple other films I watched that were all really good. 
Um, so yeah, somebody somebody uh, messaged us at one point and said that we should go back and watch EO, um, but watch it as the lost sequel to Christopher Robin, uh, <laughs> where Eeyore just ventures out yeah, yeah. into the real world. Mm -hmm. And it it made me delighted and terribly sad. At yeah, the same that's time. like the worst <laughs> fate for poor yep. Eeyore. Poor Eeyore. Uh, but you know it suits him. Mm -hmm. uh, my my first pick is uh, Duel from 1971, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. I had watched this when I was very very young. I remembered it being surprisingly good. Uh, so this is less of a discovery and more of a rediscovery. Yeah. But honestly, when I watched it this time, it was more for nostalgia kicks, and I was completely uh, kind of blown away uh, by just how much of a tight little. Yeah. suspenseful horror flick this is i just recently um, watched that too and yeah, um, it was really it, good it really holds up um you know outside of you can tell sometimes the car's got a blue screen behind it or you know something like that for some of the stunt work but by and large this is just kind of a, a gorilla style go out there and just fly around in a car with a big truck after it and um, you know, very practical kind of flick yeah it feels dangerous like yeah. that big yeah. truck on those little road like those yeah back california roads and stuff yeah. like it yeah there's it feels like real stakes yeah. to the situation and there's something about it not being in the modern highway world uh yeah. this is this is still back when you know interstates are are fairly new mm -hmm. and so there are all of these little uh you know communities and and just back roads that uh loop around the desert and um, no, I just, I, I was really surprised, uh, with my revisit to it and, mm -hmm. uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. So yeah, dual and it's out on 4k. So looks better. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Great. Mm, Clint looks mm. better. Looks better. Mm. See it all. I can. Um, number nine for me was playtime from 1967 by Jacques Tati. Jacques Tati. Jacques Tati. I, I, uh, <laughs> I talked about this and Obviously, because there's, I mean, this is our, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop saying that because I talked about all of these at one point oh, during this. wow. Okay. Um, man, this movie is so great. And I, I keep meaning to go down the rabbit hole of watching all his films. And it's that um, world of like clowning that doesn't really happen in, anymore. Like, mm. um in like comedy where it's all like physical humor and, but it has such great like setups for all of the gags and it goes beyond like just, you know, jokes. It's like a whole world is built around this character and it's beautifully shot. And, um, I, I really need to watch more of his because he, it's one of those like art house, like, uh, French films that I feel like everybody or like should see because and anybody could find amusement in it because it's on a level of you don't need to know the language or anything. It's all physical body and um, comedy. Yeah. So you, anybody could get it and find amusement and enjoy it in it. Um, it's great. Okay. Uh, my next one is Irresistible from 2020, not to be confused with Irreversible. Very, very different <laughs> films. Uh, this is a political comedy in the, in the vein of uh, Wag the Dog. It's got Steve Carell and Chris Cooper, Mackenzie Davis, Topher Grace, Natasha Leone, Rose Byrne. Uh, and it's just uh, fun with modern politics. Mm -hmm. It's about this Democratic strategist that goes to this small town to try to, uh, you know, help his, his kind of uh, pull him up by his 
bootstraps, mm-hmm. uh, older uh, political candidate win. Uh, and uh, MAGA world just kind of descends and um, does what MAGA world does. Mm-hmm. And so makes things um, great again. They, they do. Yeah. They do. They make comedies great again mm-hmm. because it's much funnier for them. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a fun time. It's uh it's a very lightweight kind of flick. Uh there's there's nothing here that's going to uh change your political beliefs or uh realign your moral thinking. Um, but it it does have some fun with the things that are uniquely 21st century politics. Mm-hmm. And uh I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I would say there's no Real rhyme or reason to why I like Playtime is not a number nine film. It it could like or Moonlighting. It's just I think th- this was going to be a very dark, weird list, and then like <laughs> I was like fighting to keep those on there, and yeah. because they didn't fit in, but I had to have them on there. Okay. Anyway, number eight. I got the dark and weird coming, Clint. Oh, me too. You. Well, the okay. rest of mine are. are oh, oh, oh. I thought <laughs> yeah. you meant the other way around. Like your next one was going to be Transformers 6 or something. <laughs> I finally got into the Transformers <laughs> just movies. Trade, trade places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going all like big Hollywood yes. action. Um, so number eight is Opera by Dario Argento from mm-hmm. 1991. I remember you talking about this. I was so pleasantly surprised with like it's like some of the craziest like horror violence that i had seen in a while mm-hmm. and especially at that time point like in movie making like it just feels like it was like when a movie can like do that kind of ultra violent gore in a very interesting surprising way i'm always i i i kind of like my my um senses perk up and i'm like oh okay this is something i haven't seen before and Mm -hmm. this did that and it's it's got the perfect level of like camp because like anytime the killer is trying like is about to like you know kill somebody and he's he's taking this woman and like is making her watch this horrible act this crazy rock like score kicks in (laughs) like and you're the rest of the time you're like it's completely scored with opera music Mm -hmm. so it just like really makes it enjoyable and silly in a great way the posters and cover art for this thing are always great too yeah yeah Yeah. so that that was a little gem i found and i really like that nice uh my number eight I thought I had watched, but upon watching it, I realized I'd never made it past the 25-minute mark. That was as far as I could Uh remember having watched anything about it. And I can't for the life of me figure out why. I feel like this might have been something I dragged to John's house. Yeah. And every time we tried to watch it, his dad walked downstairs or Uh something. Didn't get very far. Uh, But it is David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch from 1991. You had never seen it? I thought I had, Clint. (laughs) I didn't think I was letting you down, but I was with it. I was with it. Memories were starting to fade. And then past the 25-minute mark, I remembered nothing about this movie. Nothing. It was a whole new movie. Uh, Let me just read the plot synopsis for anybody who's never watched Naked Lunch. This thing is bonkers. Blank-faced bug killer Bill Lee, played by Peter Weller, Mm -hmm. and his dead-eyed wife Joan, played by Judy Davis, like to get high on Bill's pest poisons while lounging with beat poet pals. (laughs) After meeting the devilish Dr. Benway, played by Roy Schneider, Mm -hmm. Bill gets a drug made from a centipede. Upon indulging, he accidentally kills Joan, takes orders from his typewriter-turned-cockroach, 
ends up in a constantly mutating Mediterranean city and learns that his hip friends have published his work, which he doesn't remember writing. Uh, this is based on uh, the novel by uh, William Burroughs. Uh, and it, this is, uh, maybe it just came at a time where I watched so many other things. I just didn't have the capacity for this movie in high school. Yeah. Um, but this thing is great. Uh, it is delirious. It is a, I think, better, more, um, balanced, uh, kind of stylistic film that, that in a lot of ways might remind you of, um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. But it it doesn't hit that fever pitch. Uh, and it certainly doesn't pound on it constantly like that movie does. It's this this is a little bit more Brazil. Yeah. And um and I just I really appreciate it. Peter Weller is hilarious. Yeah. And I don't know if he means to be, and that may be what the genius of that that performance is, mm -hmm. is Peter Weller, uh, and I'll talk about that more later because I got some more Peter Weller on the horizon, but uh Peter Weller. It, it just kind of a self-important uh, douche hole. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's not. He's not the nicest guy. Um, I'll tell you why later. But anyway, uh, I, I I'm pretty sure. I strongly suspect he went into this thinking he's making, you know, just high high art, and didn't get the joke of this high art. It it is high art. Yeah. It's just um, I I feel like that really sells it. I feel like his. Uh, seriousness in the role really lends to the uh, the comedy and the strangeness and the the surreal nature of of his kind of confusion. And uh, anyway, I, I I could ramble on. I am going to watch this movie probably at least two more times over the next couple of months. I enjoyed it that much um, and wish I had been watching the whole thing for quite a while. I feel like I've been telling you about that one. You um, have. I've been agreeing with you. I've been like, <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. Fantastic movie. Also, I think I'm, from what I can remember, it's it's based on Burroughs' book, but it's also based a lot on his life. Yes, um, and so it was kind of this melding of yeah. of who he was in the, in the story. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. My number seven, moving along, is Demon Seed from mm -hmm. 1977 with uh, Don, Donald Kamel. We had um, a good time watching yeah. and talking about this. Man. This was a surprise because like, it's just, it started off, it could have been like the most typical like 1970s kind of like throwaway film, but it gets so weird um, and unexpected by the end. And there's some like really great practical effects from the time that were really surprising. And I honestly really like the premise of it, of this, this AI that takes over and wants to have a, like, is like wanting to progress its nat, like naturally, um, as far as like, you know, getting out into the world and, uh, taking its next form by having a child. Mm -hmm. And like, I was reading a lot of like reviews and stuff from it and people just think this is the, it don't like this film yeah. and like actually like don't like the premise and stuff. And I'm like, I think it's a great premise. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't know. It's, I, I had a lot of fun with it. If they were just basing it on the first half, I could see it. Yeah. But once that movie gets going. Yeah. Because I was even, you know, not bored, but just kind of like, oh, this is kind of cheesy and whatever. I, I agree. 
once it hits that halfway point and it just keeps going. Yeah, and keeps towards, get, like it's inevitable yeah. conclusion yeah. that you would never think that a movie would try. Yeah. Oh, that's when it's gold. Yeah, and I like you yeah, the setup of it of like the situation could have been boring yeah. and but it's just that it kept going with it yep. and kept like taking it seriously and um that it, that made it really interesting yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, and by the time you get to the giant practical metal uh yeah. pincher scissor thing oh yeah that's like scary and like it's an interesting design yep. like it that would have freaked me out if it came out in a movie now yeah uh, it just it that that idea of that thing mm-hmm. yeah. uh my next movie is uh from what year is that from 2016 animated film called the red turtle it was a co-production mm. between uh, Studio Ghibli and some French mm-hmm. animation houses. Uh, I actually owned this. It sat on my shelf. I think I borrowed it for, and watched it. You probably <laughs> did. I never watched it. It just <laughs> sat on my shelf. Uh, I think it was a screener that I had gotten, and yeah. I always meant to get to it because it got really high reviews. Mm-hmm. Never got to it. And, um, yeah, uh, I found it once again last year, and uh, it's great. It's mm-hmm. it's dialogue-free. It's silent. Uh, obviously, um, it uh, it just tells the story of this guy trying to get off of this deserted island. And every time he builds a raft and starts to get off the island, uh, this really large turtle breaks the raft and mm-hmm. he just he can't get away, uh, which sounds like it would get very repetitive, very fast. It, it doesn't. This is kind of in the vein of um, All is Lost with Robert Redford. But it mm, yeah. it, it takes on, I think, um, uh, just some more symbolic things other than just man versus nature um it it has a lot more to do with you know this this guy is just trying to get back to life ordinary life mm-hmm. and wants to get back to the hustle and bustle and he just keeps getting forced to live this simpler slower life and uh what that entails and it just i i was kind of uh you know not to oversell it but just kind of it's one of those movies that kind of hypnotize you and then suddenly it's over and and you didn't fall asleep because you weren't tired when you watched it and someone, you weren't in the theater you were not in the theater next to your friend who won't let it go who definitely was um, there at that point yeah, yeah yeah so anyway the red turtle great little flick nice. I, I need to rewatch that one yeah. um my next one is the mountain from 2018 by rick alverson with jeff goldblum and ty mm-hmm. sheridan this was another one um where I had been circling it for so long. It was on so many streaming services and I feel like um, it was had a low enough score on things where I was just like, I'll get to it at some point. Um, But I was so surprised by this film. And uh, another one where kind of like we were talking about with Eileen or um, the holdovers, where they do a really great job of kind of capturing this point in time like it was set in the 50s too um and it was the cinematography was really great and i i love the performances between jeff goldblum and um ty sheridan like it was just had enough of like giving you enough to understand what's happening but also withholding enough like it was one of those films where i um got a real sense of that time 
and like it made me feel like I was there in like almost like this reincarnation like thing where you like you you feel you really can feel it and that's how I always imagined it and there was there's weird um oppressiveness to that time period but also it there's this gloss to it that makes you seem like feel like everything's okay and progressing but it's really not yeah um i i thoroughly enjoyed this movie my next movie is a 1981 uh, sci-fi comedy. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Mysterious Castle in the Carpathians. Mm. Uh, and this is a Czech comedy. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, directed by a guy named Ulrich Lipsky. It's based on Jules Verne novel. This thing, uh, in, in my newfound love for all things bonkers, <laughs> this would most favorably compare... Uh, to Brazil or to Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's a retelling of Dracula, sort of, with elements of Frankenstein and the Wolfman kind of crammed in there, too. It's just about this this guy that goes to investigate this old castle and uh, crazy things happen. Hmm. And uh, there's, there's a count... Mm-hmm. There's a, a, an evil counter or what have you, uh, and other things afoot. No, he's he's not too misunderstood. <laughs> he's pretty, uh, he's pretty evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has uh, a little bit of everything thrown at the wall kind of feel to it. Yeah, there is a, a mad scientist inventor who does these weird steampunky uh, things. Mm-hmm. There's uh, you know uh, Terry Gilliam style animation that comes in from time to time. Um, and it just, it's weird. It's funny. Uh, I found myself laughing out loud several times, which isn't always common, uh, even with good comedies when they're subtitled. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just, it's it's a lot of fun and uh, has just enough of that Monty Python kind of humor. It's clearly inspired by that oh, stuff. Oh, 100%. Like, I feel yeah. like they pulled a lot from, like, you know, that Czechoslovakian. Like, so you did see it. I, I, no, but I just know as far oh, as, okay. like, Terry Gilliam and everything gotcha. goes, they, they pulled a lot from, yeah. like, that time period and, like, animation that was coming out from them. But I, I it feels so familiar that what you're yeah. talking about that maybe I have. I got a whole stack of movies to hand you before you leave <laughs> right. uh, today. Some of these and some other ones, too. I got some weird stuff for you, Clint. All righty. Okay. I'm not promising greatness. Promising weird. Okay. That's all I really ask for anyway. I know. I know that's all I give you. And um, then I let you figure it out. Yeah. Um, my number five was Dead Ringers from 1988 mm-hmm. by David Cronenberg, also with Jeremy Irons. Two Jeremy Irons on this list. Heck yeah. Um, another one I was circling for so long as far, like, because, man, I love Cronenberg, but it was just one of those holes in his uh, cl- collection of films that he's made that I just never got around to. Or actually, kind of like Naked Lunch, like for you, where I started it like three or four times, yeah. and it just was never the right time. And I would like, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm falling asleep, and then just give up. Yep. Um, but this was my kind of, um, realizing how great Jeremy Irons is and how well, like in this film, he's, you know, pulling off a differentiation between these two characters and just subtle ways that like you get a sense of these two brothers. Um, and I love the, like, this is a more, as far as Cronenberg goes, the story feels a little bit more straight through line, mm-hmm. but the things that come like, which make the things more shocking when it gets into the Cronenberg, like body horror, like 
angles of it that it just it hits a little harder um, because it's kind of throws you off. Um, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed Dead Ringers and want to revisit it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we talked about the series too, right? Yeah, we yeah, did. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, so my next one is Robodoc, the creation of Robocop. Uh, this is relatively newer. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This thing, uh, typically, I, I am a sucker for long form production documentaries yeah. of classic films. This is a four episode, hour an episode a piece deep dive into RoboCop. And it is not an analysis of RoboCop's themes or meanings <laughs> or cultural legacies. Uh-huh. It mentions those things. Nope. This is an excuse to drag out some old, crusty actors and <laughs> filmmakers, throw them in front of the camera, and uh-huh. do new interviews with these people. Mm. And oh man, what fun. And clearly the filmmakers are having fun because they are definitely of the editing style that as soon as one person says something, if another person has a different take on Uh it or would disagree, immediate hard cut to Paul Verhoeven uh, laughing his butt off and disagreeing and making fun of, uh, you know, whoever that uh, assistant director was for for acting like an idiot. Uh, can I ask you a question? You absolutely. Because I can. recently there's another podcast. Um, well, there's a podcast that I listen to forever, and they mm. brought up a. I don't know if it's from this, but I want to ask you: Is there an Oreo story? Oh, there is an incredible <laughs> Oreo story. You will never look at Oreos the same way after this story. Robo wants his Oreos. Robo wants his Oreos. <laughs> And Peter Weller immediately pops on screen and in all his leathery uh-huh. wrinkles just denies it, denies uh-huh. it, denies it. That only makes it funnier <laughs> because there's already insinuations and outright accusations in this yeah, documentary yeah. that he was just high as a kite uh-huh. uh, on his own career, mm-hmm. ego, and drugs. Yeah, And so uh, that Oreo story, because Peter Weller, I did not know, went real method. Mm. Uh, for RoboCop, yeah. very method. <laughs> and so it was not Peter Weller who wanted Oreos. Robo. Robo wanted. And this is just one of dozens. Uh, I got to watch of this. Abs- I, will, I will hand it to you. <laughs> dozens of delightful stories that people that clearly hate each other, mm-hmm. genuinely hate each other. Uh, and all of them agree Paul Verhoeven is a nutball and a jerk. Uh-huh. Cut to Paul Verhoeven laughing like a maniac, <laughs> loving exactly who he is. Uh-huh. Um, no, it it made me love the movie more. It it made me uh, love all involved more. Although I do think Peter Weller is just you know mm-hmm. you'll you'll have very very specific opinions of Peter Weller coming out of this <laughs> documentary uh, that you may not have had before. Yeah, uh, but it's it's so much fun. And it's it's somehow, you know, they divide the four documentary uh, episodes into you got kind of your pre-production chunk and then you've got your, uh, you know, as they're going into production mm-hmm. and then as they're, you know, on set, all the performances and the action and the the practical effects and things and very, very little about the uh, the reception of the film, okay. which I was happy about. We yeah. don't know how it was received. I don't care. Right. You know, give me give me more Oreos. Uh, <laughs> give me more of those stories. So, yeah, RoboDoc, an absolute delight. Well worth the four, four and a half hours. I was not bored one time <laughs> in this four, four and a half hours. It was just mm, good stuff. Nice. Good stuff. Um, all right. My number four is... Uh, Cure from 2001 mm. by uh, Kiyoshi uh, Kurosawa. Um, 
I was not familiar with this film till recently. Uh, I have, I don't know. I I was so surprised by how much I like this film, mm -hmm. and it. W I wish there was more horror like this, horror mm -hmm. detective stories like this. It was, and also the premise of this is so interesting. Um, I love the setup of this detective and this mystery man who you're not sure if he's really doing the things he's doing or if something else is going on. And I, that it was such a interesting like idea for a story that I had not seen before or since really, like, um, maybe things have pulled from it that I'm not familiar with, but, mm -hmm. um, also just like this movie is beautiful and I, it, I love a movie by the end that can leave you asking questions, but not in a frustrated way, but just like of a wanting to know more yeah. about everything that was involved yeah. and uh, in this, in what, what was going on in the story. And like, you have to dig for some of the answers. Um, great movie. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, my next one is one I had honestly never heard of. Came out a year after I graduated, 1997. It is Gary Oldman's one and only directorial mm. feature. He does not appear anywhere in it, uh, but it's nil by mouth. And this is a British flick. Uh, it's it's a very personal film for him, apparently. It's, mm. it's a lot of autobiographical details of the neighborhood he grew up in and some of the people that he grew up around. Uh, but this thing is... Man, uh, Oldman should direct way more. Yeah. This thing is incredible. It is dark and bleak. Mm. Uh, there's a, a scene of domestic abuse midway through the film that completely kind of turns it on its head and shoots it in another direction. Uh, but but these characters, um, it's, it's, it's this working class London neighborhood. And um, there's a, a widowed woman. Uh, there's a factory worker. Um, it's her elderly mother. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is in this movie, but it's just this, it's this collection of characters that life beats down on them and they have this drive to, to survive and to thrive, but it just, it constantly gets the best of them mm -hmm. and they're, they're just left to, you know, kind of the wear and tear of life weirdly ends on this upbeat note almost mm. but the upbeat note it ends on is also sad mm. because these characters are still trapped and uh and and they're still likely to repeat the things that 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 they've done throughout and it just it, it incredible film uh definitely one i had to turn the subtitles on for yeah uh, it's that kind of london yeah yeah drama mm -hmm. um it's thick accents uh, but my goodness, uh, Gary Oldman just absolutely kills. Um, it, it, I just, I can't believe he hasn't made another movie since. It, it Might have just incredible. told the story he wanted to tell. Told the story. And maybe that was the only one he, he wanted to tell. I, it just, it was, uh, I still, it's, it, it definitely goes in one of those categories of films I am in no way eager to watch a second time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's just too overwhelming and too rough. Um, but in, in the right ways, it was very powerful and, uh, definitely left a mark. So I, I don't, I can't remember if I've talked about this on here or not. I meant to, it might've been in that time where we just 
where you're down with COVID or, mm-hmm. you know, sleep in the theater and you've been there for weeks. Um, but have you watched Slow Horses with him? No. Uh, it's the series on Apple where he, yeah. it's so good. Okay. Uh, it was one I had been putting off. Um, I'll have to check it out. It almost, it's like the best, like, <laughs> middle-aged dad show, <laughs> but like, I feel like even other people would enjoy it. Um, but it's so enjoyable. It's it's three seasons so far, um, and they're like you know British six episodes. Yeah, um, but he is so good in it. This was like I've always liked Gary Oldman. Yeah, but it was never like super. Like I always felt like he was maybe doing a little too much. And this was the first thing I felt like I really got a sense of him. Hmm. Um, and I really like his performance in it. But it's just like a really great like these. Uh, is it MI5? Yeah. Yeah. um, MI5. I think six is the fake one that Bond has or whatever. MI5. So it's like the offshoot of like, he's the head of this group who are like the worst, (laughs) uh, like of the secret agents. And so like, they're they're kind of delegated to these, you know, whatever they need them to do. Yeah. Uh, But they keep getting wrapped up in like getting to be the center of these investigations because of, they're actually really good, but they're just kind of like, uh, screw ups. Yeah. But he's the head of it. And he's just like this slubby guy who has a weird, uh, backs like his, his history and MI5 is seedy and weird. And, uh, uh, it's so delightful. Okay. Right? Like, I think you would burn through it. Like this is just right. such an easy, good watch. All right. Yeah. I'll definitely have to add that. Yeah. All right. Now we are to the top two each. I know I got, th- I'm on three. You got three. Yeah. Where did I go wrong? I don't know. Did you, you sure you didn't do 11? One, two. No, I did 10. Uh, something's up with me. All right. You go ahead. I'll figure it out in a minute. All right. Um, well, my number three was Possession from 1981 mm. uh, with Sam Neill and Isabel Um, You turned me on to this one. Man, this was like one of the most. This one I did actually watch <laughs> prior to turning you on to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was so surprised by this and there's just a level of weird to this that I was not expecting. And it has this almost its own language as far as um, acting Mm -hmm. that I had never seen in film. You said it's based off of like a um, stage, like theater um, style of acting. Um, But seeing it that up close and it's like highly exaggerated, uh, overly emotional, but it, it like lends itself to the story that's going on it takes it to this like like unclear supernatural yeah. destination that like it's so warranted and you could almost see this what happens in the film being birthed out of all of this emotion yeah. between these characters in it and uh i i love this film more than i was expecting to or yeah. like i yeah i was so surprised by it and like i feel like everybody who I talk to you about films, I'm like, you got to watch yeah. Possession. It's and, so and it's, good. It's not overacting. No, no. It's, I mean, they they do some sort of, like they dig into their souls and pull out like hard emotions. Yeah, it feels genuine, um, but yeah, it's just it's heightened. Just very heightened and very on the surface. And it's it's hard to watch at times. Um, but yeah, it's... Yeah, like that, like the, the subway scene yep. where, but it, it's just so crazy 
but it's so warranted in yeah. like the situation and where it's the destination of the film is going. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so well, good. Well, I can't remember if if you pitched the idea or I pitched the idea or we both just sort of came to it when we were talking about it. But it's it's like uh, it's like the acting style takes the emotions that you feel and puts them into literal um, performance. It, yeah. it it doesn't add the nuance of of human behavior, dealing with those emotions or trying to hide those emotions. It's just you're seeing every raw emotion mm-hmm. uh, nakedly, and it, it just oof, yeah, goodness. All right, I figured out where my count was wrong, so now I'm good. All right, all right. Uh, so my uh, number three is Last and First Men. Uh, this thing. Super weird. This is narrated by Tilda Swinton, and it is uh, a documentary, uh, supposedly, of um, that that's being made towards the end of mankind. Oh, you t- you talked about this mm-hmm. one. It was I'm interested that you got it on your list because you were very unclear about it when you talked about it the first time. I have since watched it two more times. Oh, okay. I, I need to watch it. Then. Uh, it. Uh, so I dug in after my first time, I dug in and did some background on it and I definitely recommend you actually read about it before you watch it. Forget it. Um, what? Forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Read about it before you watch it because what I thought were, uh, created structures just Uh for the film are actually monuments sprinkled across Europe, Mm. um, that have some, some pretty big significance, uh, related to World War II. Mm. Uh, and, or maybe it's World War One. uh, it escapes me at the moment, but anyway, um, it's, it's the idea of these monuments were set up to honor the dead. And this movie is using them as if they are future structures that are the remnants of mankind now extinct. And, uh, just this, this is, man, if you're a lore hound, this movie is for you. Mm. It it takes itself very seriously as a documentary about the end of man, but the story that it weaves and some of the things it puts in there are just so imaginative and ripe for the imagination. Uh, You know, there'll be names of wars or names of events or names of apocalypses. And just that, you know, the narrator glances over them as if uh, this is just historical fact. You've heard it a million times, Uh Uh, but it, just by its name, it engages your imagination and makes you think of uh, exactly what must have transpired and what that meant. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just it's it's a really strange, odd, uh, perfectly serious uh, but surreal kind of mockumentary that I just I, I don't know what it is about it. I still can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. What do I love about this thing? Um, but it's it's so sobering and sad and. Um, it just, it it maybe it's just because it feels real. It feels as if yeah. you have somehow found a time traveling time capsule, mm-hmm. and this is some weird documentary from the future. Uh, it's it's believable, and um, Tilda Swinton's the perfect voice for it. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, highly recommend it. Although almost everyone will hate it. Yeah, uh, unless you were very like Clint, I'm surprised. I even liked it. It's that much like what mm-hmm. Clint usually loves, and I hate. But um, it's really good stuff. Last and first men. Nice. I I kept circling it after that, but then you were just so wishy washy about it. I was just mm-hmm. like, maybe it's not worth my time. So now I will definitely. Well, and it was weird because I liked it after it ended, but by the time we talked about it, I had gotten into this weird place where it was in my head, but I didn't know what to think. And then after we recorded, I went back and watched it again, Mm -hmm. liked it more. 
And then I just recently watched it a third time while I had COVID. And, you know, maybe it was the COVID haze brain, but um, it just, I don't know. I'll, it, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll watch it without COVID. Okay. Then I'll get COVID Perfect. and watch it again. Perfect. Perfect. And then see if it, you know, how it lines up. Yeah. I suspect you will not need three viewings okay. to appreciate this film. Okay. I suspect you are going to uh, enjoy it right off the bat. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Number two. Number two for Here me. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, is Sorcerer from 1977 mm. by William Friedkin with Roy Schneider. Yeah. This oh, was another movie I had, you know, knew about. Like, there, it would always be talked about. Yeah. And, but it was always kind of in passing. It was yeah. never like this, I would ever hear like a deep dive. It was just like people mentioning, oh, this, yeah, it's a good movie. And a lot of times when I hear about it, it's just, oh, that's an amazing score. Uh, yeah. With nothing attached about the movie. Yeah. Or like, yeah, yeah that's a good movie, like good movie. Yeah. And then this movie is amazing. Like yeah. it's so like, um, I I love the time it takes setting up the whole situation. Like it, like you, I was expecting almost that it was more devoted towards like them in the the jungle. But like I love how it's this this group of men coming together and they really spend time showing who they were and how they ended up in this horrible such like place yeah. and like willing to do this job. And it's one of those films from that time period or from the seventies or like where they had no choice, but to go for showing everything. And the impact of that is so like strong and like, um, like holds up through time because like it's all happened. Like they really did this thing. There's really this truck going across this bridge. And even like you could like do that and it could be interesting, but like there's this level of filmmaking and cinematography that's also just making it scarier and more uh, in your face um, that like heightens it and makes it more intense. And I, that made it so great. And like the performances are so good. I, yeah, I, I love this film. I, I, it's probably one of my top films I've seen in so long. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And it's one that every time you revisit it, you just, I don't know, more things come out of it. It, Yeah. mm. All right. My uh, number two is a little bit cheating because it's actually a collection of four films. It is called The Apocalypse uh, Tetralogy. And it wasn't released uh, being called that. It's just uh, these are four films uh, from Polish director Piotr Piotr Schlucken uh, and have completely butchered that Polish name. (laughs) Uh, But he worked at a time in the 70s and 80s where censorship was insane in Poland and um, everything was getting cut um, and he had to work in a way uh, that that uh, that was kind of subterfuge. He had to be able to bury things and still make the movie he wanted to make Mm -hmm. with the message he wanted to make without getting, uh, you know, the the red flags of, right. of Polish censors. Mm-hmm. And um, he, all four films are in a kind of subgenre of, of like dystopian sci-fi. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're low budget and they're, you know, kind of, um, you know, just built from the ground up. Um, they're very 
commonplace in their their set dressing and their props and their costuming and things like that. Uh, but they have some really bizarre and surreal ideas and things going on. Uh, there's one called The World of the Worlds, Next Century, then Obi Oba, The End of Civilization, Gaga, Glory to the Heroes, and I'm missing one. What was the other one? Oh, yeah, Golem. Um, and so these are four films that were made from 1979 to 1985, I believe. Yeah, 85. And they just um, – it, it's one of those things you'll like some more than others. But watching with the knowledge, sort of like when you're watching Possession, yeah. that, that there's so much more being messaged here mm-hmm. um, and, and stylistically messaged than just – uh, you know, a, a guy trying to make four sci-fi flicks yeah. uh, with with what little he has. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very interesting, very good. Uh, this is one I would have completely missed if um, if it hadn't been sent to me. And uh, I'm, I'm just really glad I, I took the time with all four. Uh, I was, was this one that you stuff. had to review? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but really good. But I'll I'll pass the copy to you, and uh, and you can see what you think. But I suspect uh, you'll like it quite a bit. Um, a lot of it is is sort of in the vein of um, oh, what's that movie? Uh, it's gonna not come to mind right now. It's one where they walk through the dunes at the end towards the doorway. Um, anyway, all right, yeah, stand <laughs> on the ground like the little. Why can't I think of this movie? Uh, you'd love it. Anyway, mm-hmm. on to number one, Clint. Well, my number one is a recent one, but it was um, still a couple years old. And it was not for lack of trying to see it, but it definitely is worthy of being on this list. And this is Memoria from mm. 2021 by Apatapong. Where's the thankful? With Tilda Swinton. And I probably butchered that. And I'm sorry. I thought we saw that in 2022. That would totally be on my list. We did. We well, we saw it at the beginning of 2023. Oh, see, I was I even thought of that one, and I I didn't go check. I thought for sure I had it on my list last year. Oh no, and no, so, yeah, oh, we we man. saw it at the very beginning of 2023. All right, slowly <laughs> deleting my number ten and putting this one on. Go on, Clint. No, it's, stealing from you. No, it's all right. Um. This was one I wanted to see since it like came out, but you know, because it's a traveling kind of roadshow of yeah. a film, it's not being put out on any kind of physical media. Yeah. It's just going from theater to theater. And so luckily, like, yeah, it finally came around to us. And we we did like a whole episode basically yeah. talking about this film. So I'm not incredible. gonna go into it too much, but it it was amazing in like one of my favorite film experiences. Yeah. Um, that I can remember. Um, and, uh, yet Tilda Swinton, like is hearing this sound that is, she's not sure if she's going crazy or it almost sounds like a timpani drum. Yeah. And it's coming from the earth. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a very deliberately paced film where it makes you lean in and it's playing with sound and it makes Mm -hmm. you experience sound in this way. And where, and I love the devotion to the story by the end, like it mm-hmm. goes for it. Yeah. And in, in ways you're not expecting and like there's cl- clear answers and, but, and it makes it feel like everything you've, 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 you know, you've spent the time with this character in these, uh, in this very, um, 
like I said, deliberately slowly paced film where you're really spending the time with her. Yeah. It all pays off at the end. And I, I absolutely love this film. Um, yeah. We, I think we both agreed on that. We had a great time. this film. Yeah. yeah. And um, very different than what I expected and uh, has continued to pop up in my brain. Oh, yeah. From time to time. Yeah. Just thinking about it mm -hmm. randomly. Well, I have you beat, Clint. Because while I forgot In Memoriam uh, for my number one, which is probably where it would have been. No, it would have been number two. All right. Because this number one. I did not find it till this year. I did not know it existed until this year, but it blew my mind and just lifted my skull cap right off. Um, let me let me take you back a little bit. How to far? the eighties? Eighty to okay. the early eighties. There was this TV show. Um, you know, it, it was popular at the time. Uh, Alf, <laughs> and Alf was the story of this. Uh, Middle-aged alien, like Steve Katz, like cigars and some other things. And uh, he crashes on Earth and he hangs out with a family. Yeah. I think there were four seasons. Uh-huh. Alf ended on a cliffhanger. And this cliffhanger has haunted me my entire life, Clint. Uh-huh. It has haunted my childhood. It has haunted my adult life. And then lo and behold, I discovered that in 1986 unbeknownst to little Kenny Brown, they actually made a TV movie called Project Alf that is the series wrap-up. Did they do any other movie like that were tied into the series? Because I feel like I've seen this. Uh, I like, don't think so. I think this was the only one. I think I saw this. I cannot tell you the excitement <laughs> I had upon discovering that my beloved series has an ending. Now, I have since gone back and tried to watch Alf. Yeah. I quit my rewatch because it's a bad show. <laughs> Just going to keep it in memories. All right. Like Airwolf. Yeah. So, I went to Project Alf, okay? Yeah. And I started Project Alf. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. <laughs> Hear me out, Clint, because okay, I watched I'm... all of Project Alf. Yeah. Horrible. Uh-huh. It's not a good movie. All right. Okay. <laughs> Why is it on our list? Let me warn everybody, it's a bad movie. So this, you put it at number one because you want it to be a warning. No. Okay. <laughs> it has an ending, Clint. So for all those 80s kids out there who have always wondered what happened to Alf, this movie is the discovery for you. It's terrible, but... It, it, <laughs> it warmed my heart. It fed my soul. Poison. But, was, but you can die now. Tasty poison, and I can die knowing what happened to Alf. I can. I, I am this serious. Will go on your headstone. I, I cannot tell you how excited yeah. I was by this movie, uh -huh. and even though it was awful the whole time, and the jokes fall flatter than you can possibly imagine, I had the biggest dumbest grin on my face because I. It, it was like I had won the lottery. I had discovered this thing that. It, it, I, I can't even explain it, Clint. All my childhood was just enraptured into this moment. Here lies Ken Brown, <laughs> dying happy, knowing what happened to Alf. Yep, yep. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I just want you to know it exists. Uh, I considered Don't putting, watch it. No. I considered putting on here the sequel to The Wizard of Oz, which I always thought was a nightmare I had as a kid. Uh -huh. Totally turns out it's a real film. <laughs> uh, I did not put that on here. That is actually a decent movie. This is not. 
but man, the surge of nostalgia it provides. Um, I'm I'm feeling a bit foolish for thinking uh, that your number one was released uh, or that we watched it in 2022. But uh, yeah, Project Alpha. That's great. It's I'm glad you can have bad. some catharsis. And it's yeah, amazingly awful. I don't. Don't, don't doubt it at all. Terrifically terrible. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. But it has an ending. Yeah, it exists. And how many movies can say that? Or series, you mean? TV movies or movies. They don't have endings. You're just happy that the movie itself has an ending? I'm happy that I know what happened to Alf. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Alf is not dead. Alf is not behind bars. Alf is not being experimented on. Mm-hmm. Alf lives, twenty twenty four. That's it's really uplifting. Thank you. I it just gives me chills of joy and yeah. excitement. Yeah, yeah, and terror at the thought of watching. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad, but it was so worth it. Great, so worth. I'm it. happy for you. I it was worth it. Great. I I feel like that's what the people who hate Clifford feel, but they're wrong. Yeah. Um. I, I feel like this is the feeling that they feel. Okay. Where it's just like, that was terrible. And then other people are like, no, idiot. <laughs> it's amazing. So if you love Project Alf, write in and tell us why. Uh, let's let's start a Project Alf fan club. But you're not a fan. Oh, I'm a huge fan. You're okay. You're just happy it exists. But I am you're not so happy it exists. But you don't like it. I am in the process of recontextualizing it in my memories okay. so that it is the movie that I think I watched rather than the movie that I actually watched. Uh-huh. So it can join the series that I think I watched rather than the series I actually watched and exist forever as a four seasons in a movie highlight of my childhood. But at that point in your life, the series you watched it was excellent. It was yeah. It was the series you watched and you and loved so it. And so I have to reorient it. it because had I watched this yeah. in 1986, this would have been my favorite movie uh, ever. Right. It has all it has all the things I need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's kind of it's probably I feel like a lot of the same people who love Gremlins still like hold Gremlins on. Gremlins is really good. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I love Gremlins. And it's not because of nostalgia. I don't know. It's I think there's a lot of nostalgia. People being held agree on to. that Joe Dante's Gremlins is a classic, not a cult classic, not a fan favorite. Classic. Okay. Undisputed. We can heavyweight classic. Disagree on that. Well, sometimes you are wrong, Clint. But yeah. anyway, you are not wrong In about my number world, one. I'm right. So let's hear your ten, starting from number ten. Moonlighting, playtime, opera, demon seed, the mountain. Uh, Dead Ringers, Cure, Possession, Sorcerer, Memoria. 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 Uh, mine is going Memoria, Irresistible, Naked Lunch, Red Turtle, The Mysterious Castle and the Carpathians, Robodoc, Nil by Mouth, Last and First Men, The Apocalypse Tetralogy, that's a Polish film, and finally... God bless us all. Project Al from 1986. There is an ending, kids. I feel like I'm not going to throw you like like I'm not going to come down on you too hard. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you watched a lot of these recently, like the past no. month. Well, 
No, I, a lot of these were November, December. Okay. A lot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Last and First Men was <clears throat> was a lot earlier. Uh, Project Alpha was a lot earlier. Um, Project Alpha was probably October. I guess it's not too right. early. So. Yeah. Did you have any, um, like, runner-up movies that you wanted to add that, like, says mention? I or? did not. This was actually a, a hard year for Discoveries. I didn't. I thought there were a lot more that we watched. Yeah. Uh, but going back through, we watched a lot of stuff from 23, but not not a lot otherwise. So Can I say a couple? I'm not going to talk Absolutely. about it. I just like, list them. I had uh, Body Double, which I talked about on here at one point. Mm-hmm. Child's Play, which I had recently never seen before mm-hmm. and loved more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, five, e- five Easy Pieces I had never mm-hmm. seen. That was really great. One that I was going to have on here until like the last minute, which, because it's kind of, it was a rediscovery, not Mm -hmm. a like fully just discovering it. And this, that was Donnie Darko because I, I stopped, like I hated that movie for a time period after loving it for so many years and then rewatching it. I was just like, this movie is fantastic. It's a great movie. Um, This movie would have been a cheat and this is why I kept it off, but I'm going to mention it. Because I just watched it like a couple weeks ago. And uh, so I'll hold on to it and talk about it more. And then maybe it'll be on this year's list. Nice. And this is The Quiet Earth from 1985. Um, A little a, it's from um, Australia. And it's, it's a, everyone in the world disappears. And there's a scientist left. And he feels responsible and it's about it's kind of like Last Man on Earth with mm-hmm. Will Forte, but like from this is from 1985, and it's like him tooling around his town, like and he's uh, enjoying it, but then he gets lonely, and then he find like, and then he you know eventually meets up with a couple other survivors, but it's really great. Um, okay. I really liked it, and then um, another movie I had would have been a cheat too. And I'll talk about it more at some other point. And this is the devils from 1971 by Mm. Ken Russell. And I'm going through a real Ken Russell. um, Like there's a collection of his stuff on criterion. So I'm going through all of them and he has some really great stuff. Um, Another, like you were talking about um, that, that film was kind of based off of Frankenstein and like Mm -hmm. that he has one um, that's um, called the, uh, the White Worm, mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, that, that w- one has um, uh, Hugh Grant yeah. and... Um, and uh, Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Peter Capaldi. I, Peter Capaldi. And, yeah, I've seen that before. I have a lot of memory of it. It's really good. It? It's it's campy, mm-hmm. but it's also like kind of frightening and weird. And, um, and man, Ken Russell really just hates the church. And, yeah, yeah. And, Catholicism and stuff. And it's, um, and (laughs) it's very funny after watching the devils, which directly deals with that. And then this, where he's just tying it in, but it, um, the devils is really cool. And, um, interesting to watch it so many years after, like, you know, it was a really controversial film from the time Mm -hmm. and looks like banned. And, um, now watching it, um, kind of like last temptation of Christ and like picking up on what everyone else was so freaked out by, um, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, well, one of our producers just ran in in a panic and handed <laughs> me a post-it note. Um, 
And I do, you know, first of all, thanks to our trio of producers who just really make the magic on the show. Uh, you know, we just record. They do everything behind the scenes. Uh, but uh, one of them we just We don't talk in. about them a lot or, no. like, give them any kind they're, of... They're very, like, yeah. very humble, humble guys. Um, but... Uh, it's, we should have, like, why is it all men and they're all white? I mean, we should I mean, maybe that's, diversify. That's the only kind of people we know, Clint. Yeah. Other than our wives. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, but Gordy just ran in here and uh, <laughs> handed me a post-it note because apparently I had been uh, mistakenly saying that Project Alpha was released in 1986. It's actually before the series even came out. It was 1996. Um, foolish me. It came out before the series came out? No, 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 no. If it had come out in 1986... Oh. That would be before the series even existed. Oh, I think that's what caught oh, their I attention. Gotcha. Uh, Alf fans in the booth. Uh, but no, uh, I apologize. Project Alf live update was released in 1996. Thanks, Gordy. It really looked like has fools. the visual effects to go with 1996 television rather than 1986. That makes television. more sense of why I saw it then. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what tipped me off. Because when you semi-remembered it, I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, I bet I bet Clint watched Alf when he was a kid. And I was like, wait, Clint would have been like I was three. like three, yeah. 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 So that's that's actually what sent me to Wikipedia. And um, I see on my little notepad notes that it was 1996. So. But yeah, no Thanks longer producers. do you have to think that Alf was captured by the U.S. Air Force and detained at a base. Series over. You almost look like a real fool. I did. I did. But Gordy oh, saved me. Yeah. Gordy's always in Heck there for the safe. Really is. Yeah. Good man. Good man. Cinetron? Yeah. Okay. Dust that thing off and, you know, see Might what, have to give it a jump start. Seriously, kick it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little sputtering jalopy sound effect. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's spin Cinetron. I got a movie for you. I'm ready. This is from 2022. No, that's newer. Yeah. This is Sick of Myself. Sick of Myself. Sick of Myself. Does not ring a bell. Um, Help let's me. Let's see if I can find... Well, this is by uh, Christopher um, uh, Borgley, who did that recent movie, Dream Scenario, um, with Nicolas Cage. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I didn't see that, but... I did. And it Is was... that a good thing? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, I did. I saw it in the theater and it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Um, anyway, it's... I can't find a premise for it. We're just going blind. It's about I... a guy who's sick of himself. Yeah. Because he doesn't like himself anymore. Mm -hmm. And so... I could <laughs> sum this up from my memory of the trailer. Right. Oh, oh, memory of the trailer. The trailer That's makes it accurate. Okay, 
the trailer from my memory, it was about a couple and they're at odds with each other and are always trying to one-up each other. Okay. And there's the girl, she starts taking this mysterious drug that kind of scars her and dismorphs her body and she, because and people are giving her sympathy. So she's tr using this sympathy as a way to uh, advance herself in her career and her... Um, and uh, from what I could tell, it had a very like uh, Yorgos Lanthimos kind of vibe there. It's um, from the Netherlands as well. So Is this going to be anything like that horrid skin lotion episode of cabinet of curiosities that i hated and you loved there might be aspects of that oh. <laughs> Great. no it, it's different i think you'll find okay. um from what i could gather it looks interesting okay. and like um in a, there's a body horror angle to it that i think you'll like should i watch the trailer or just plow in blind just plow in yes yeah all right I'm all I, about yeah it. It, uh, it's got a lot of good buzz around it. okay cool. yeah Cool. And uh, we will, I will make the promise that our next episode will not be a month and a half from now. I, I feel like I need you to sign something. Like I can cough I, on a piece of paper. I feel like I, and we the need the blood to... that I cough out, <laughs> you can just, you know, register as my, my signature. I want a contract made up. Can we get the producers on that? I mean, guys. Uh, guys i hate when the producers get the lawyers and then it's all just I feel like we might need that uh, yeah you know i mean what other startup podcast has two lawyers and three producers i don't know if at this point it's a startup it's well, it's, it's a it's a <laughs> it's been three years a while ago and still rolling it's just mid up start mid mid i don't know I'm tired, Hang, man. It's a hanger on. Stupid it just hangs, hanger on. Her. It just hangs on by a oh, thread. It's stupid like, COVID. Yeah, yeah. Started. We started right before COVID, didn't we? We did. No, we started much before COVID. Not much. Not much. A few months. A few months. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember COVID was our first. We we really had momentum, and then COVID slapped us in the face and said, "No, you sit back down. No more podcasting." Mm -hmm. And then we slowly crawled out of our holes. One of us was, you know, taking needles. The other was not. And uh, I took a needle. A needle. Singular. That's all I was, like, told to do. Yeah, and that's but, all I promised I would. I guess. I guess. All right. Well, whatever. Hey, whatever. Yeah. Uh, this has been episode 98. Uh, we are well on our way to episode 100. It will be here before you know it. And uh, we'll just see what comes of it. Yeah. Nothing special will probably happen. Oh, no. Episode 100 is going to be special. Okay. I got you surprises. Can... <laughs> I got surprises. Guest appearances. I got guest appearances. Celebrities. Uh, Morgan Freeman is booked. Oh. Um, there's, you just wait. You just wait. All right. You just wait. I'm, I'm ready. excited. I'm excited. All right. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, as always, you know, throw us a message. And uh, it'd be fun to do some feedback here sometime soon. Uh, you know, feedback that isn't, are you guys okay? We are. We're here. We're I'm good. fine. We're okay. Ken, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's come. It's week to week with him. This has given people the chance to catch up on episodes after Christmas because we talk about, I've been told many times, we talk about so many movies that people are usually uh, trailing behind on episodes. 
uh, as they watch stuff. Yeah. So we're cutting edge, man, bleeding edge. <laughs> it's pretty good. I feel like this is just like a sign of life episode where just to show that Ken's alive and it's yeah, definitely yeah. not me like just, yeah. you know, no, mouthing. Blame, do not blame Clint. And I respond to everybody. Uh, do not blame Clint. I show up to his house. You do. Sometimes he doesn't allow do. me to I do the job that's before me, house. but yeah. sometimes he just kicks me out. That's true. That's well, you know, you don't like babies. So what was I going to do? What would what would the baby do? What 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 would how would the baby? Can you imagine <laughs> if we recorded an episode me with a one and a half year old on my leg and I told just her you, babbling the whole time? Tub, tub. Yeah. Okay. She sounds like a little Chinese sailor. It's delightful. We could have used that to our advantage in some way. Probably. All yeah. right. Don't challenge me, Clint. My special guest list may change for episode one hundred. I'll just have a toddler on here. Mm. Mm-hmm. See nah. what that did to you? I'm done. See how I'm, that made you feel? I, I, I'm, I'm turning on that idea. I don't yeah. like it anymore. I thought so. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, send us a message. And uh, until next time. Rate and review. Yeah. Yeah. Rate and review, which, you know. It hasn't helped us in any way so no, far. So No. No. We just need a new revenue uh, advertising stream. A new, uh, what do you call that? Advertise What? <laughs> A new demographic, a new, I don't know. Our all white male uh, producers are not going to help that in any way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. This has been episode 98 of Cinebabble. Uh, thank you for sticking around to this point through our name, Babble. Uh, and we will uh, we'll we, talk to you next time. We were putting the Babble in Cinebabble. No, we had put the Cine in Cinebabble up to the point where we started delivering, stopped delivering quality content. I know. We did that the Cine part. Shortly after. Sinatron. Yeah. We just lost our way. Yeah. But not all who wander are lost, Clint. That's true. You know who said that? Gandhi? Tolkien. <laughs> I don't know if uh, that's true. It might be Lewis. The Gandhi of fantasy. Or <laughs> <laughs> see y'all. Have Bye, a good one, Clint. Ken. Bye. <laughs> Bye.